Academy episode number six. They, because they got a smudge on, on my on my steering wheel, they detailed my car inside and out, and they delivered it to my place of business. Who does that? That's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that wins you not just five stars, five five hundred of those five stars, because that's the customer that that's your your anchoring point. That's your linchpin to everything that means anything to you online. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers, to the matching audio podcast of the Town Hall Academy video on managing a negative online review. This is Carm Capriato, your host. As you know, we take a single topic each week with an industry panel, and we broadcast live Fridays at noon Eastern on my webinar platform and on Facebook. You can learn all about connecting at the URL, remarkableresults.biz slash townhall. See the show notes for this podcast, Town Hall Academy, at remarkableresults.biz slash A006. There you'll find in-depth bios on my guests. Now, I understand that not everyone has the time to sit in front of a video screen or to be on Facebook. Now, that's the power of podcasting, the digital audio broadcasts. That's so portable and easy to find. Now, every Academy session is on my website learning page. And now you have the additional resource of having the Town Hall as a podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and Spreaker, and more. And if you have my iOS or Android app, you'll find the Academy episodes there also. I always guarantee powerful learning nuggets in each episode. See, it's your peers who put on this tutoring and share their ideas, best practices, and passion on what works for them and where they've had their own successes and challenges. Mostly, we're here to spread wisdom and experience for the entire automotive aftermarket. The Academy Podcast, another powerful resource of educational content inside the Remarkable Results Radio brand. Use it to improve your knowledge base and your personal success. Here's a cool idea. Schedule a lunch and learn with your team. Listen or watch an Academy episode. Cool idea. The library of episodes grows each week. Now listen to How to Manage a Negative Online Review with Kathleen Long, VP of Customer Success and GM of the Shop Network at RepairPal. We also have Cecil Bullard, President of the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence, and shop owner Bill Nalu from Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan. Now, here we go. Uh, glad to have you here. Let's introduce our lady first, Kathleen Long, uh, VP of Customer Success and the General Manager of the Shop Network at RepairPal. One of Kathleen's focuses is sharing results on their constant surveying of the automotive customer. Uh, Cecil Bullard. Cecil Bullard is president of the, of the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. He's a trainer and business coach in the automotive aftermarket, working closely with service professionals. And you probably get your share of, hey, Cecil, I just got a negative review. What am I going to do, right? I've written many, many replies to those reviews. So I've got a, an industry individual from, from Kathleen's perspective with RepairPal, Cecil as a business coach, and now Mr. Nalu who's president of Interstate Auto Care in Madison Heights, Michigan. 30 years in the business, Bill. You don't look a day over 29, though, I have to say that. And Bill collaborates with industry professionals in building today's high-tech, old-fashioned customer service system. He's a passionate customer service guy. He serves on many industry boards, and it's great to have you here. He's pretty much a regular on the uh, on, on these forums because uh, he's got so much great, so many great things to say. So, perfect. We're ready. Uh, how do you manage a, a negative online review? couple of things. We've got a, a lot of great talking points among, among us all. And I guess I'm going to start by saying this, team, and chime in. Let's have a great conversation. Bad reviews happen. Uh, is a bad review necessarily a bad thing? Absolutely not. A uh, bad review is not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of shop owners are perfectionists. Um, and that's good because you want a perfectionist working on your car. And so one bad review feels awful. Um, but a bad review is nothing more than information, information that you can either use to change something in your business, information about the type of customer you should be looking for in the first place, you know, information about how people feel about what you're doing in your business. So in that sense, 
assuming that, you know, that was a real customer and not the shop across the street leaving a fake review for you. The information's all good. So how do we know it's a fake review? Does it just smell like a fake review, Kathleen? Well, I mean, the great thing about most shops is they're using shop management systems. They know who their customers are. They know what repair orders they've completed in the last week or month or what have you. Um, And so when people start talking about, you know, vehicles or service experiences or whatever, they've got a data source to tie back to to see whether that was actually a legitimate customer. Got it. Bill, have you ever gotten a fake review? We may have years ago. And and I guess the... um the way I've always handled it, and, and like Kathleen is saying, is because of the fact if you ha- if you've got decent data to to pull off of, in many cases if you're working with a uh, a, a kukui or a repair pal, you can establish whether in fact this is a fake review, and sort of go back online. You still have to answer to it, and in many in many cases what I've done in the past is, is you know I would have really appreciated had you given me the opportunity uh, to handle this uh, personally, but since we're doing this online. Let's have this conversation online. And, I, and, I, and to piggyback on what Kathleen was saying, it's probably the biggest blessing to a business to have a, an opportunity to be. This is one of the things that, that drives me every day. One of the things that gets me up in the morning. I look back now over all these years, the best customers I have are the ones that, that have raised me, the ones that have sort of had to tap me on the back of the head. They say, dummy. You know, I want you to understand, I had a, I had just a quick story. I had a, a, a realtor years ago. She's about four foot nothing. She comes in one day. She says, I want to talk to you next time you come in. And I had been taking some time off. I don't know what the story was. She said, um, why are you, why can't, why, don't, why are you not here anymore? I said, well, you know, I have, I have a manager. I have a assistant manager. They're handling it. They're good people. They're handling it. She says, why are you not here anymore? I said, well, because, you know, and so the third, she says to me, you're not listening to me, are you? She said, I don't have a problem with them. I want to see you. I want to come in and see you and talk to you. What's going on? And it sort of got me thinking about what this is when, when a customer feels comfortable enough to share this with you. And to me, if you have a customer base, whether you're doing this online or whether you're doing this in person, if you have folks that are too shy or too intimidated by you losing it, if something went wrong today on the customer service front, if you have that kind of a customer base where you just you have to isolate yourself from the bad news, to me, that's trouble. You know, it's so interesting on how you say that, Bill. Cecil, uh, you know, here's a customer reaching out and wanting to, you know, have a strong relationship with the want to see you behind the desk, Bill. That's that's the thing, right? Go, going to what you said before about you having to write some of these reviews. Give me an idea of how you're helping shop owners recover from these. What do you say? First of all, a, a review is a bad review is inevitable. If, if you're a shop that's been in business for 10, 12, 15 years, you're not going to make everybody happy. It's 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 virtually impossible. So Number one, uh, take it take it seriously, but don't take it personal. Okay, those are two different things, and I think most shop owners take it personal right from the start. The the second thing is whatever you write the first time to to put the review, don't put that online. Uh, let it sit for twenty four hours and come back to it and say, you know, take all the personal stuff out of it. Uh, we have a tendency. I see shop owners trying to attack the person. That's, that's writing a bad review because they're taking this very seriously. I and mean, this is my life. This is my baby. And you're telling me my baby is ugly. And, and, and it's very personal for me. You need to take it. This is a, an opportunity, number one, to call the customer if there really is a customer and, and see what went wrong and try to fix it. That's your, first, that's your first task. And if you can fix it, fix it. And we've had lots of people pull their reviews off. And, and change them. We, we went from a one star to a five star by, by calling that customer, finding out what it was going to take to make them happy and making them happy. Now, I'm also the guy that says don't give the farm away because there are people that are out there just nasty, mean. They got to write something nasty and don't give the farm away to somebody that's not going to help you, you know, that's not going to help you. You're really saying that someone may be writing a negative review because they want something ultimately. Oh, yeah. There are people that do that. I, I, I guarantee you that there are people that that's what they do. And, and, and they've been rewarded for that because they write an Astro review and someone says, OK, I'll give you your money back. And then the review goes away. I think also the, the, one of the really key factors when you're writing uh, an answer to one of those reviews 
is to use that as the time to talk about your unique selling proposition, why you do what you do for your customers. Often what happened is you brought the wrong person in, you don't have what they want, and, and you've tried to still do business with that person. And really there are lots of people out there that want what you have, it just wasn't this person. So if you talk about, you know, we do this, we, we do an inspection and we charge for that because our technicians are, you know, qualified because we have to pay them. And we know that it's the best thing to do a good inspection on the car. It's the least expensive thing to fix a customer's car. And that's what we do for our customers. Right? You, can, you can really turn this around as an opportunity to talk about your business and what you do and, and, and apologize. I'm sorry the person had this experience. I'm, I'm really sorry that you know, we were not able to make them happy. But here's why we do what we do. And we do this for our customers. One of the things I wrote down was the 24-hour um, incubation holding period. Boy, in my entire life, Kathleen, I want to ask this of you. <clears throat> I learned when I joined the world of corporate and the email wasn't to my favor or liking or, or <laughs> you know, kind of like an online review, a negative online review, and I responded within three minutes, it was, it was not good for my career or my leadership abilities. So what do you coach your, uh, your customers and telling them how long should they wait before they reply? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, it depends on, you know, like Cecil said, if you're taking it personally, then, you know, definitely waiting um, a period of time before you reply is important. But I also coach people to handle things offline and online. You've got an online review. You have two audiences for that, uh, for that content. When you respond offline to the customer that actually had the problem, you're performing customer service for that customer. You're solving their problem. The online part is really for the public at large. It's not for that customer. That customer, you're going to handle by calling them. You're going to handle by emailing them, however, you know, you've established to get in touch with that customer. And you're going to say, here's what I can or can't do for you. The online response is going to be for everyone else who might see that review to know what you're about, what your shop's about, uh, the kinds of customers that you want, and how you respond to problematic situations. In some cases, these things aren't even your fault, right? So uh, we've had storming like crazy here in Northern California. So someone went into one of my shops a week ago, and it just so happened that at the point they pulled up their car, the entire block lost power. So the gentleman running the shop, now he has no SMS. The phone lines were down. <laughs> Cell service was spotty. He had not a whole lot he could do, and this was just a show-up. It wasn't an appointment. Um, and so he had not so much he could do to run an estimate on the, on the person's problem. A lot of his equipment was down, so forth. So that person went away and wrote a, a negative review of his business saying, I went there, my, you know, I was in dire straits with my car, and he couldn't fix it. The power was out. Okay. Uh, so, he, you know, he contacts that customer uh, or potential customer, actually, because he didn't get work done that day, right? It wasn't even a customer at this point. And he says to him, hey, the power's back on, right? We'd love to show you what we can do when our tools and equipment are working. Uh, one. And then two, you know, he went on, he paused as, you know, was recommended, uh, ran it by his partner in business to say, hey, does this reflect our business, our mission, what we want to say in response to this? And privately, he also offered the guy a 15% discount to come back in. On In public, again, because he doesn't want everyone seeing this and thinking this is the way to generate a discount, he didn't reflect the discount in the online discourse. That was the Mother Nature discount. What a shame that Mother Nature had to come in and put her hands in, in our pocket. Cecil, you may have said, pick your customer, or if you didn't say that, I wrote that down. It's almost like what Kathleen was saying. You know, here it is, possibly when that person came in, power's on, things are running. You may have not chosen to do business with that person because you would have sensed, <laughs> come on, someone that is not going to cut your break because your power went out? I think one of the most important things for any shop is to determine who their customer should be and who they can best serve. And some of that, I mean, I, I know there are consultants that will say, take everybody, you know, uh, serve everybody, be a yes company. I'm not that guy. I say, determine who you want to do business with, uh, figure out who that customer is and what they want, and then give that to them in spades. And, and, and that, unfortunately, won't allow you to serve everyone the same. 
So if you are a, a relationship shop where you're building relationships, your price is going to be a little higher. You, you, you use the best quality parts. You have a better warranty. Um, the, if the discount guy shows up at your door and you bring him in, you do not have what he wants. And therefore you, you really take a chance of, um, uh, you know, things don't, they don't mesh and this guy's not going to be happy because I tried to give him something that I don't give. And, and, and so I think you really need to be careful about who you try to bring into your business that fits your business. And there are lots of customers out there that go to Walmart and there are lots of customers that, that go to Macy's and there are lots of customers that go to, you know, men's warehouse um, all the way through. I've always believed that, Cecil, even, you know, when I was in corporate America, owned my own business, that you, you, know, you just have to say to yourself, you can't do business with everyone. And based on your model, your pricing, your quality, everything that you have, there's a customer that's going to gravitate to you. And, uh, and yeah, you can't do business with everyone. Bill, does saying sorry to the customer work? As long as it's done authentically and as long as you understand that you can only use that. That's a, that's a, that's a one-trick pony. You can only use that the first time. The second time, they're probably not going to be so understanding. Um, Kathleen said something so important earlier. She said, you know, it's not his fault to do that. While I agree with that wholeheartedly, it's not, it doesn't matter whose fault it is, who's the person that's responsible. And so I say to my fellow shop owners, you are responsible already as an individual. The fact that you have your own business means that you're already responsible in being able to pay your bills and being able to show up on time and do all the things that a responsible individual has to do to, to remain in business. Put a hyphen between response and able. And understand that you have to become response-able. You have to be able to respond to these, to these things in a very appropriate manner. And so like we were saying earlier, this is not an emotional thing and it's nothing personal. But you have to take on the responsibility of making this your personal mission. If you don't do it, then you better damn well have somebody who does. You better have a people person that absolutely loves this, that absolutely invites this every single day, that every customer that's walking in and out of the, the business, when they come in and you can clearly, like Cecil was saying, if you see that you have somebody that's clearly, clearly price conscious, that prices everything, is it better to have a conversation now about, Mr. Customer, how much risk are you willing to take on for a lower price? If you don't start having that conversation at the counter, then you're going to be having this conversation online. So that's the time to handle that business is, is before it turns into an online disaster. Kathleen, with all the research that you do, what's the stat if you have one off the top of your head that says when I as a consumer type in um, auto repair of Maintown USA and, and I look at the Google page and there's some negative reviews, what's my likelihood of... When I, if I see a, a negative review in the top listing, then I just go to the next um, in order in Google. Yeah, so there is lots of research actually that shows that if a business has many reviews and they're all, say, five-star, whatever the top rating is, and there aren't any negative reviews, uh, people viewing those don't trust them. They don't want to do, you know, look, if you've only got five reviews, then whatever. But, it, but if you've got hundreds of reviews... And they're all five star. They said, oh, this is a business that games. This isn't possible. They'd rather do business with a four and a half star shop than a five star shop because they can see the difference. The other thing is, is that as human beings, we're biologically tuned to the negative. Right. That's what kept us alive. Oh, tiger chasing me. I better run. Right. But now, you know, if you've literally a business with hundreds of reviews and you've got one or two bad ones and you're hyper focused on this bad thing that happened, you're missing all the things that you're doing right in the positive reviews. The positive reviews are equally a source of great information for you. What do you do well so you can do more of that, so that you can make it part of your mission, your focus, you can absorb that and continue to reflect that. Um, and that'll actually give you some detail about how to respond to your, you know, your negative review. It tells you who you are and what you do well. Um, and so I think, you know, paying attention to both is important. If you're running your business right, you're gonna have way more good stuff than bad stuff. Um, and they're all data points that you should pay attention to, not just the negative ones. You've, uh, you said in your talking points to me, uh, such a thing as a one-off review. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that a lot of the businesses that I deal with that are, you know, they're calling, shops are calling me and they're saying, oh my God, this review is terrible. What do I do? 
and I say, okay, yeah, you have 198 great reviews and your 199th review, not so great. And sometimes the review they're upset about is literally like a three-star review. It's not a, a zero star. You know, it's just that, again, shop, uh, shop folks are perfectionists, I found, and they really want that perfect score. But in reality, you know, that doesn't look authentic to someone who's, who's viewing reviews. And we only do verified customer uh, reviews on our site. So it's not like, you know, GQ Public can just go post a review. So we're only surveying customers of shops, no one else. You know, this is all real authentic customer information. And customers know that not everyone walks away from a business satisfied. And so then again, it's your opportunity to show, look, if you come into my shop and you have a problem, which is sometimes going to happen, this is how I'm going to respond to your problem. This is what you can expect if you and I have a conflict. That's what you're modeling out in public for your potential customer. Bill, have you ever received a review from a customer that you know really well who's been with you a long time and it, and it was, say, a three-star, and you feel this guy's loved you to death forever? My favorite ones are the one stars. The reason they're my favorite is because, uh, and, and I'm proud to say that, you know, 99% of them are five stars, but that one star is all I need to get my crew back to, to balance, to be able to say, this is symptomatic of a systems problem that we have, that we've had, you know, three in the last month that have complained about this issue. We had, I think, three reviews a month ago, and they were on various different forms. And they were to basically speaking to, in fact, this is a great shop. They're really good guys. Price was a little bit more expensive than I thought it was going to be. And what is that really saying? What it's saying is, is that at the counter where, where it mattered most, we didn't break down the features and the benefits to that customer properly to the point where that would be a, a, uh, a, a foregone conclusion. The, the, the fact of the matter is the customer left was happy with the service. But in their mind, we hadn't changed their mind about what they were buying, that they were buying warranty, they were buying quality, they were buying reliability, integrity, all of those things. At All of those things that are above and beyond the price, the price uh, model in the, in the, in the, the, as, in the paradigm uh, as far as the totem pole. That price has to be, if you're a quality business, has to be rightfully so at the very bottom of that, of that totem pole. And so this is a perfect opportunity. To bring that to bring that situation, and the other part of that is what is more authentic than sort of airing your laundry online and being able to handle that situation in a satisfactory way. Maybe not even necessarily coming to agreement with the customer, but at least at least the world knowing where you stand on a given situation. And so, and I've done that many times before, where I've just gone in there and just said, "I'm sorry uh, that I wasn't." You know, and sometimes you just have to humble yourself. You have to say to somebody is. Clearly, we failed in being able to communicate to you what many other, what 99% of our other clients see that this is a value proposition that we're making and that they make that choice every single day. I'm sorry that we weren't clear enough with you. I'd like to invite you back for us to be able to do that. Maybe it's a free oil change, maybe a car wash, whatever it might be. But when you, when you put that out there, like Kathleen says, this is gold out there because this legitimizes how you are. As a, as, a, as a business owner, not just when somebody's paying you money and you're smiling in their face, but when, when, the, when the pedal really hits the metal, when, when things are really tough, how do you respond to that situation then? I got to say that what Bill just said and is so important, and it's not just what he said, it's the way that he thinks. Many, many shop owners, they get that one, they have 199 great reviews. Uh, people are accepting their price. People love them. They get that one review and the guy says, we, we were too expensive and they instantly think I've got to lower my price. We're getting too expensive. What Bill said was I didn't do a good job at the counter or we did not do our job at the counter, helping that customer understand what the benefits of doing business were with us. And, and that's where we have to be. We have to be at the counter amazing at helping the customer understand that, that here's the things that we can do for you and that we do do for you. And that's why, the price is the price. And then, and then when you're matching the right customer with that, and then you go back to what Kathleen said, now you've got all these great reviews and you have people reading and they're saying, wow, um, the price was a little more, but man, the service was great and the warranty is fantastic. And now you're attracting the customer that you want because that's what's out there. And they're reading those reviews and they're saying, man, I, 
Oh, okay, so their price might be, they might be a little higher than the guy down the street, but man, they wash the car, they give us a loaner car, they, they give us the best brake pads available, and, and they stand behind their work with a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. Shop owners, I, which I deal with my entire life, and so does pretty much everybody here, often don't think correctly in this way. They look at that one person who's complaining or that one bad review, and they don't think about the 199 great reviews or, or people that came in and that were very satisfied. And they, and they go the wrong way and do the wrong thing. Be who you're going to be and be the best. You probably know as a service manager of a shop owner, when that person leaves, if you're about ready to get a negative review, it, it almost seems like totally up to you. I could probably point out 90% of the people that are going to write a bad review when they walk out the door. You know, Bill said, have that conversation in the beginning with this customer if they're going to be a customer. And, and if you don't have what they want, you better have that conversation about the risk and, and, and that mismatch. And you're really better off at that point saying, look, there's a shop down the street that seems like it's going to fit you perfectly. Here's their phone number. You know, here, use my phone. Go down there and get an appointment. Then taking that person in and disappointing that person. I, I work with lots of service on, uh, uh, business owners and managers that person comes in and we get that feeling right from the beginning, the hair on the back of our neck stands up and we still think I better take that person in because we don't have enough cars today or whatever it is. And, and it always ends up going south. If you feel that that person is leaving and, and, and you ignore that unhappy, you better do something then before they go online and write a review. Um, have that conversation and it might be uncomfortable, but so what? That's my job. So many things going through my mind right now. Systematic, Bill, you brought up the word, you know, it, it sometimes leads back to something we may not be doing right. Maybe you don't change, but you can, you're in a constant or continual improvement stage in, in any business. Cecil, how often do you see that some of the reviews that are really legit and real go back to quality procedures and systems? Oh, it's everything's related to uh, procedures, processes in your business. If you, if you have a good process, I, I talk about, um, you know, marketing as a process, uh, defining your customer, uh, setting your budget, um, uh, determining what your materials need to be so that you bring the right person in your door. That's a process uh, at the counter, how you talk to that person on the phone, whether or not you price on the phone or don't price on the phone. That's a process inspections. Do you do a good thorough inspection? I, I believe that we owe every customer a good thorough inspection on their car, but then I need a process to follow that through so that the tech does an estimating process and the service advisor does an estimating process. And then there's a sales process that really begins with my marketing and ends with that customer leaving my shop, having written a check and smiling and saying, I'd like to go back there because I had a great experience. Everything is and, and the funny thing is you either consciously define those processes and work on those processes or they happen organically and organic is not good for your business. Let me ask a question about uh, an individual leaving the transaction is done. There are apps today that allow people to walk away with, hey, would you give me a review? Give me your number. Somehow they get a text. And, and they get led to a site because you sense and feel that this is this was a, just a, a great transaction. Is that a trend today that you're really setting yourself up for a uh, for a review? I think you have to you have to ask because so you know out of out of a hundred uh, clients, you may be lucky enough to get maybe fifteen or twenty of them to leave your review, good, bad, or indifferent. So I think uh, you have to, and in today's world, here's the other thing is, is this intergenerational things going on here. Baby boomers and Gen Xers, we're less uh, prone to, to put, uh, to, to answer some of these uh, surveys. Millennials, oh man, you just ask a millennial their opinion. I mean, I'm getting ready. I have a gentleman that came in yesterday, picked up his vehicle. This guy called us up, pricing out an engine. And so 10 minutes into the phone call, this is a month ago, turns out it, it, it doesn't need an engine. It needs, it needs an oil change. So, of course, who do you think is this biggest hero in this world now, right? So I, add, I invited him to do a video with me on Facebook, uh, uh, on Facebook to, to help me explain this to my, to my other customers. But when they call in, this is how, the most dangerous thing you can do is to be pricing out things that you have no idea need to be done. 
on this vehicle. And so you use those customers, those younger clients are going to be your bread and butter for, for tomorrow. I'm almost speechless to, at the potential of this. You could, you could eliminate your advertising budget and just put it into customer retention alone and, and grow by leaps and bounds by just doing this, this, what I'm talking about here. Just, just basically following what you already know. And that is, is, is what does it take to, to give somebody decent service, the kind of service that you require? I'll just give you a quick example. The other day we were at a restaurant. As it turns out, my wife finds a piece of a latex glove in her dish. So the manager comes over, you know, my wife summons the manager and we tell him this. And this poor man was so, he was so underqualified for this job. He might be great at, at everything else, but he shrunk. He shrunk. I mean, he was ashamed of himself for this happening. And so to me is who hasn't made a mistake? I'm the least perfect business owner in the world. But what I say to folks is when they say, well, uh, what happens? How do you guys solve this if there's a problem? I say to them, if, what do you mean if, when there's a problem, when there's a problem, okay? And I can give you 50 other people in my database, right? You've got three people in the shop right now that we've had a mistake with, a smudge on the door, uh, something on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the carpeting, when, not if. So be prepared for it. Have a business, have a plan on how you're going to provide what Fred Meyer years ago taught me, the, the Meyer friend, the Meyer supermarket chain guy, the predecessor to a Walmart even, and that is to provide aggressive hospitality, to go above and beyond what is called for. And it, this doesn't have to be freebies. Just just do something that that would wow the customer to be able to say, man, they, because they got a smudge on on my on my steering wheel, they detailed my car inside and out, and they delivered it to my place of business. Who does that? That's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that wins you not just five stars, five five hundred of those five stars, because that's the customer that that's your your anchoring point. That's your linchpin to everything that means anything to you online. And and it it helps create culture in your business, the right culture, because you're creating these stories of superior service and your people understand that's who you are. It creates this whole unbelievable culture, not just with your customers, but certainly with the, my staff, because they see that's what we do. It's amazing. If you do that right, it's amazing. What you're saying is it, it'll make us better if we let it. Absolutely. I think the reason why Bill's example was so compelling is because he talked about getting smudges in the car and then, you know, super detailing it. And that's the biggest thing that you can do is that your recovery should match the problem. Well, he didn't say, well, next time you come in, I'll give you a 20% discount because I left a smudge in your car. He fixed the smudge. And I think, you know, and above and beyond, obviously. Um, but I think that's important is remember that the most important thing you can do is root cause solve the problem. Right, not not throw you know throw a gift basket into the mix. It's root cause solve the problem is so super important. And then if you go above and beyond in that reservicing experience, great. Um, but people want to know that if they have a problem with their car, which represents their freedom in the world, that's how they get places. If they have a problem, there's a bring back. There's a, there's an issue. You're going to take care of, of that specific problem. That's why they brought the car to you in the first place. And there's a, there's a very important point. This is probably more important than everything else is, is we have to say to the customer, not only do I want you to give me this feedback, I need you to give me this feedback. Because if you don't give me this feedback, if you're if you the, the one who's closest to me, the one who's been doing business with me for all these years, if you don't feel comfortable to be able to tell me when we did wrong somewhere somehow – how in the world am I going to be able to provide better service, evolutionarily better service than what we've provided now? And so you sort of you have to uh, not entice is the wrong word. You sort of have to empower your your clients, your best clients, to be to be that that group that feels comfortable enough to be able to tell you when you're not on your game that day. And I I think there's a, a really important concept here also. I need to be meeting with my staff on a regular basis and discussing these things so that they don't happen later. I mean, I know there's going to be a smudge. I know that we're not going to fix the noise properly sometime, but we should be discussing the good reviews and the bad reviews and saying, how do we change our process 
so that cars leave without smudges so that we can deliver this unbelievable customer service and not have these problems. If we're not addressing that with our staff, we're not keeping them focused. I mean, earlier Bill said, this is such a great opportunity to bring our staff kind of back in the fold and say, okay, we've had some problems. Now let's see what's going on. Let's see if we can't take care of that. I need to be doing that. that that's leadership in, in my business constantly with my staff so that they understand who we are. It's, again, it goes back to that kind of creating that culture that I want in my business, a culture of excellence and a culture of taking care of our clients. Here I'm a car owner and, I, and I'm at one of your shops and I've gotten my work done. I'm paying the bill. As I interview shop owners and I, I'm this perpetual student, I always want to learn and I'm always hearing these stories about the end is as important as the beginning, walking through, take them to their car, open the door. And if I was the service manager advisor and I saw that smudge because I am looking for the final level of perfection in the transaction, it's not yes that I put a device on and the car now rolls forward, is that it's about the end. You are absolutely helping to ensure, number one, that your processes and systems are right because you know we've we've gone over them ad nauseum internally, but you're also ensuring a good review. So that, that's what I think. And, and Cecil, from from a uh, from a coach's perspective, I know you bring people into your. You're always teaching. In fact, you're you're aren't you teaching a vision? I am. What are you saying about this this end? Uh, you know, the, the end of the transaction. What are you telling people? I'll have uh, I'll have 54 service advisors in the class in Seattle tomorrow. Um, and I think the end is as important as the beginning. Uh, it's all process. When, when, when the customer comes in and, and I give them their bill, it's, I, I can't just take their money. I have to re, re-solidify what they bought and help them understand why they paid what they paid so that when they do walk away, they feel good about it. And I have this little referral process thing that I do where at the end I ask the customer, I say, if we did a good job, do you mind referring us to your family and friends? And, and, and I ask them for a promise. And at, at the very end, the promise is if, if you feel that you can't say to a family member or a friend, hey, go take your car to Cecil's shop, will you please call me personally and let me know? Because whatever it is, I want to take care of it. Now, you shake that guy's hand and he walks away. He's not thinking about the $1,300 he spent. He's thinking about, here's somebody who really cares about my business. And I, I'll go back to what Bill said. Is the person at the counter responsible for making sure that that spot isn't there and making sure that the car got fixed and that the service was done right and the customer feels good about it? And if you're not doing that at the end, yeah. the excuse I hear constantly is, I don't have time. Well, why aren't you having staff meetings to discuss your problems in your process? We don't have time. Well, why aren't you going out to the car in the beginning and looking at the car and talking to the customer? I don't have time. Well, at the end, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you uh, going back through the work order and rebuilding value? Oh, I don't have time, Cecil. That's a BS excuse. We des- our customers deserve our time. That's what they're paying for. And we have to make the time to make sure that our customers feel good about what they do because it's everything. You said something that was so important. How many of us here are Seinfeld fans? <laughs> you watch Seinfeld? Yeah. Okay, you remember when Elaine had the boyfriends that were sponge worthy? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So so with this in mind, is is are you are you referral worthy? I don't know who it was that taught me this. Just it was one of one of the sages in my life said, it's one thing for a customer to do business with you and they love you and they've loved you for 10, 15 years, but it's a whole other level if you can get them to refer, if you can get them to send you their really, really picky brother-in-law or sister-in-law or whatever it might be, because now if they're willing to trust you with their family, you know that that's a whole other level. Are you worthy of that? Because again, it's, it's one thing, and here's the, and this is what this speaks to is, is that if I'm dealing with you, we haven't had any problems, I've got to really, really trust that Kathleen is going to take care of my brother-in-law, Mac, the way she's taking care of me. And it, Because if I don't, you know I'm going to hear this at Christmas time or, or Thanksgiving dinner. I'm, I'm never going to hear about the end of it. 
uh, about how oh, I went to this guy and this guy was horrible. You know, now all of a sudden it's it becomes a family issue. And so my challenge to to my my fellow shop owners is is you've got to ask, you've got to say to that client as they're walking out is, you know, we really, really appreciate your business. And I, I consider you a great customer. How can how can how can I incentivize you to help me find more customers like you? Are there other people like you that can use the services and, and, and to the quality that you receive today? Are there others you can give me? And we're working on the out of value side of it. We're working on a, because I'm on this uh, National Dealer Advisory Council. We're working on ways to systemize that. And I'm challenging PearPal and I'm a proud client of theirs. I'm trying to get us to be able to, to do more of that, to be able to send that email and have something there to where maybe they can fan it out to their Facebook page or their, their friends in, in their network and have a way to electronically link them together so that when that referred client comes in the door, now we know, hey, this was referred, this person was referred by Kathleen and there's some kind of an electronic key that can, can you imagine if we could do that? That's, that's where we're headed. This is where I'm hoping we're going. So you get a bad review. Cecil, do you look up in the uh, company manual as to what the process is to deal with it? Oh, I think I think you have a process, absolutely. And I think you should have a process for dealing with a bad review. And it starts with B, don't take it personal, but take it seriously. Uh, you know, first call the, you know, look, research the customer, call the customer, find out. And don't don't offer a bunch of crap. And and also don't take accountability right from the start with the customer. Don't say, you know, it's my fault that you have this problem. Say, I, I'm sorry you didn't have the experience. How can I help you and what can I do for you? Because what I found is that, you know, you said earlier in the very beginning, you said, is it okay to say you're sorry? Yeah, I think 99% of the people that are writing a bad review want you to just say, I apologize. That's it. They don't, they don't, need, a, they, they don't need their car detailed, although I think you should detail their car because it's the right thing to do and it, it sets you above and beyond. Um, you have a process, and, and part of that process for me is write the nasty review that you would write. This guy's an idiot. He's a moron, blah, blah, blah. And then wait 24 hours and go back and take all that crap out because now I've got it out, right? Now now I can sit down and logically, without emotion, I can say, you know, I'm sorry you had the experience. Here's how we do what we do for our customers, and, and how can I help you, Mr. Customer, uh, so that this is a better thing. And I, I might do that publicly. But I'm certainly doing that privately also at the same time. And many times, Cecil, you tell me if you, if you agree with this. Many times what they're asking is a lot less than what you have in your imagination, what they're asking. He's asking for an apology. He's asking for you to acknowledge yeah. that a mistake was made and that you're going to be a better uh, business owner as a result of that. That your crew learned something today about what happened to this person. We Look, actually <laughs> – we actually had an instance where um, a guy called me and he said, you know, we, we, we had a noise and my guy said it was the flywheel and saw an Audi and it was a $2,500 job. And now we did that and it didn't fix the problem. And so Cecil, now we've got to tear the engine apart and it's going to need an engine. It's a $10,000 motor. What do I do? I said, give him the 2300 bucks if he you know be willing to say we didn't fix your problem here's your 2300 dollars back and if he walks away he walks away and 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 that's why you charge what you charge in the beginning so that you can do that and when he called the customer i told him i said ask the customer what can i do for you and you know what the customer said would you please just diagnose the noise for no charge so we ended up getting both things and all we gave away was a couple hours of diagnostic yeah. And, and we were ready to give away $2,300 to this yeah. person. And this customer now goes online, writes a great review. You know, hey, they, they, they found the problem. They took care of it for me. Um, you know, you, you need to ask them. I always ask the customer, what is it that I can do for you that will make you happy? What can I do? Right. And it, it, it almost always is less than what I'm willing to do. Kathleen, I have a question for you regarding your repair pail process. I mean, I know you vet uh, operations, you won't let them into your program unless they qualify to certain areas. Do you look to see if they have a uh, uh, a process to deal with uh, negative reviews? Yeah, absolutely. And we also uh, coach people about that. So when, again, we're doing only verified reviews, 
and we moderate those. We look for bad language and, you know, stuff like that because we want the things that appear on our website to be professional. So we don't moderate and keep away, you know, negative comments. We just want to make sure that they're tasteful and respectful. So when a shop owner gets a bad review, we've seen it already. Um, we contact them. We say, hey, here's an opportunity to respond. And we can work with shop owners if they'd like our assistance to help craft that response where things sound like something really went awry. Um, you know, then we may dig in a little more, get some of our automotive experts involved to help them sort through the issue. In some cases, look, it's the shop's fault. They made a mistake. In other cases, it's not. In other cases, it's someone came in and got some tires and then the air conditioning stopped working and they're blaming the shop, right? I mean, that happens. And so what we advise shop owners is be empathetic to how the customer's feeling and what their point of view is. But I always say, if you're going to apologize, do it authentically. Don't say you're sorry for things you're not sorry for. And don't take responsibility for things that aren't your fault, right? You can still be empathetic that this customer is frustrated that their car's breaking down all over the place without taking full accountability for the set of problems that they're experiencing and then figuring out saying, okay, now you've vented your feelings, Mr. Customer. You know, here's how we can make a plan to go forward. Or if it's not a great customer for you, here's, you know, here's an option I have of you going somewhere else or, or how you might want to resolve this problem. Um, and I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, Kathleen, to add something to, to uh, what you just said here, <laughs> I, I say this again, as a RepairPal client, one of the things, that, one of the tools that we use a lot of times is the call tracking number that we have that records the phone calls coming in. Yeah, That's absolutely. a huge, huge, huge training opportunity because what happens in that situation is, is we had, I think we had one issue where customer felt disillusioned. Heck, we, we plum dropped it. He, he thought it was going to be a half hour to do the oil change. It turned out to be a 45 minute to an hour situation. You know what? Frankly, the, ha the oil change takes us a half hour and it's a, a half hour for the courtesy check. Our service writer failed to advise the failed to, to explain to the customer that this isn't simply an oil change. This is a 3,000-mile inspection that's going to possibly reveal safety issues and maintenance issues, and the customer didn't have that kind of time to do that. We found that out on the call. On the call-in, the service writer said, yeah, that should take us about a half an hour. And so there's a perfect situation where that's a symptom that, that needed to be solved systemically. And so we went right back and said, "Here's." What, and so that was that was what prompted me to now. Now not only do we have call tracking numbers from RepairPal and Kikui and 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 Google, we have I have I just I added a, a call recording system that records everything coming in and going out, so that we can go over the the sales inspections over the phones. I spend many of my waking hours going over those things and 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 building at some point time maybe building a, a short course on when things go wrong and when things go right. And, and I, would, I would say to the coaches and, to, and you know, to, to, the, to you guys, and that is that maybe you may want to have some kind of a MP3 file of good calls, bad calls, and, and a little example of how things go wrong, basically like a timeline, uh, a timeline of when things, what happened here. It's kind of like taking a fast, fast frame image and, and, and splicing it down and saying, look at, look at how quickly that dissolved. You lost right at the, at the hello. You thought that your first impression was when you picked up the phone and said it, you know, thank you for calling Interstate Auto Care. Your first impression was online. Your first impression is what people are hearing and seeing online about who you are. And that one star could be your best friend if it was converted properly. Yeah, absolutely. I've been managing, you know, contact center employees for years. Um, and a very simple coach's trick that doesn't take very much time, again, for those shops that say they don't have time to listen to all their calls and so forth. I just pick five calls at random for each employee, ship them to them as MP3 files, download them, send them to them. And I give them a little checklist and I say, how do you feel you did in this call? What went right? What went wrong? If you were to do the call over, is there anything you would change? I don't even have to listen to the calls because sometimes just hearing yourself you're like, oh my goodness, did I really say that? Or, wow, I sounded really defensive or whatever. It's a great training tool. And then to your point, if you have a very specific incident that's happened, you're pulling all the records that you can from the phone call to understanding what happened during the service experience, your diagnostic notes, your repair order, whatever it is, um, it's only going to help you to figure out what in your process went wrong, what you can adjust or change, who was involved, 
who you need to talk to and how to fix that going forward. I, th I think I think Bill said something that's that's really really important, and it, it really begins with creating that expectation, which certainly starts online, but it's it's followed up with the call and 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 what you say to that customer. And if you're able to track that and and pay attention to that, you can gain so much knowledge and and make those small adjustments that are going to make your customer happy out the out the end. But I will tell you, you know, years and years ago, I started working in my father's shop in uh, in the late 70s. And back then, cars broke and, and you didn't have to be, you know, you could be a great mechanic and fix the cars and they were lined up. You didn't, you know, I didn't, we didn't have a Yellow Pages ad because we didn't need it. Today, if somebody's not paying attention to the business and these finer points, you're not going to survive. Or if you survive, you're only going to survive. You're not going to thrive. And if you want a thriving business, somebody has to be doing what Bill's doing. And that is, hey, let me listen to some of these calls. And you don't have to listen to every call. I can randomly select five a week. And it's going to tell me what's going on in my company. And I can pay attention to my, my comments. And I can survey my customers myself. There's nothing wrong with getting on the phone and calling 10 people that came in this week and saying, how did we do? You know, I'm the owner and I'm real, I'm really curious. I want to make sure that my staff took great care of you and you'll get so much positive feedback, but that one negative thing that happens will help you look at yourself differently, but somebody has to pay attention. You can't run your business like it's 1975. You've got to run your business like it's 2020. And if you're not on it, you're going to, you're going to work very hard for very little. If you're on it, it's amazing what your business can provide for you and your community and your employees. We have people that are thriving and doing fantastically, and we have other people that are basically using every excuse they can to say, this is why I'm not making money. you got to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to look at which customers are providing you what kind of feedback. If your long-term customers are all saying sweet things to you because you've got a, a relationship – and all these brand new customers are, you know, a little disgruntled with you, um, then you've got an issue in terms of how you're taking care of people who are brand new to your business and who don't deeply know you. And so it's figuring that out um, and sorting through those details too are important. So if you're going to make the calls like you were suggesting, you know, pick a couple of customers that's their first time in your shop. Pick a couple of long-term customers. Make sure that you're still, you know, taking good care, not taking them for granted, Right. Um, and make sure that you've got that mix happening when you're interacting with your customers and looking at the feedback that you're getting. Uh, statistics show that if a customer visits you three times, then as long as they don't move away or what have you, that you've probably got a lifetime customer. But those first three visits that a customer is making to your shop are extraordinarily vulnerable. If at any point in those visits you make a mistake that you don't recognize or remediate, you lost that customer. And those things, those customers cost too much money and they're too valuable to let them go away. I have to tell you, this was an incredible drill. It's a top of the hour. We're we're gonna we're gonna call it quits. I was actually ten minutes ago gonna say, do you all have some final thing to say? But you all just summed it up so perfectly for me and I loved it. It was like a even though the subject was managing an online review, this was a customer service drill. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. <laughs>